It is to alive Neil Atkinson with Phil Blundell, Steve and Gareth Roberts after Liverpool have basically decimated Leicester 2-0. 2-0 doesn't sound like much of a decimation, but that's what it was as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and looking ahead to Burnley, the manager did his press conference this morning, which was really kind of him. Uh, so we've got all the information from that as well. And coming up also in the show, uh, we've got a couple of inserts, if you are listening to this uh, as the podcast form. Daniel Harris on his documentary, Tosh. Uh, that is to come. There's a clip from that documentary about John Toshak uh, on there too. Gareth had that conversation earlier in the month uh, it is a belter, so all of that is to come. But we are going to start off talking about Liverpool versus Leicester. And, Steve, it was without Liverpool ever feeling as though they were hurried, without Liverpool ever feeling as though they were stretched, Liverpool just basically turned a game of football against the side that finished fifth last year into an absolute non-event. Uh, and they strolled to victory in the end, 2-0. It does feel like a relatively fine margin with a late goal, but Leicester don't really have a single decent opportunity outside of the first five minutes. No, you're right there. I think uh, Liverpool just patience was the key last night for me. I think after the, the, the beating they took at Nottingham Forest, Leicester were always going to make it themselves a little bit more compact, a little bit deeper. So I think patience was going to be the order of the day. But Liverpool controlled the game. Thiago in midfield was absolutely magnificent uh, with the ball um, and just, just just orchestrated everything from there, really, from me. And then as the game wore on, the tired legs came a factor for Leicester. Uh, and uh, you know, patience, as I said, we got the first goal, second half. Uh, FS first half, sorry, second half, we, we just put our foot down and, and we just look like a football team that really, really, uh, really smelled blood in the water. Um, and just a, a shame, really, that the only score wasn't wasn't just was only two 0 because I thought we were worthy of at least uh, two or three more, maybe. Gareth, what Steve says there is, I think, one of the key takeaways from the game. That it's difficult to always get your head round when you're in the emotion of a match. Is how much, how hard Leicester were having to work just yeah. to stay in it with Liverpool. Yeah, that was one of the big things I took from the game, to be honest. That you know, we were talking about it on the post-match pint, just what a nightmare Liverpool are to play against. And, you know, I think Steve's right in that, you know, their their pride's been hurt, gone out of the FA Cup, you know, they the, the holders, you know, the, the, the league season's not going the way they want. You've got the manager having a real go at the players, perhaps taking that a little bit too far, in my opinion. Yeah. And so he he wanted a reaction and the, they were trying to give him one. They were working hard, they, but you know, they, they couldn't get out. We controlled the midfield. And all game, it was just about graft and graft and graft and running, shuttle runs, trying to stop Liverpool. Liverpool have all the possession. Liverpool have all the shots. Liverpool are camped around the edge of the box, just moving them side to side, looking for an opportunity. And it was just about when it came. Um, you know, and, and I think the ground reflected that. Some people commented on the atmosphere, but for me, the atmosphere reflected the game, which was, we know a goal's coming. We're not on the backs. We're just waiting for that goal to come and then it'll go yeah. off when it does. And, you know, what, what made, made me laugh about it as well is, you know, you've grafted for 60 there as, as a Leicester player. And then you bring on Elliot and, and, and Mo Salah and it must be like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Like, imagine how your legs feel yeah. seeing them come off the bench. And then, you know, Salah nearly scores, you know, one of the best goals of the season. Smichael's nowhere near that, by the way. Uh, it's the top of the bar. Uh, Elliot looked good again when he came on. And, and it's just all of a sudden, the, the cards feel like they're falling in place for Liverpool. Fully fit squad. He, he's done his press conference, as you mentioned. And he says, you know, Henderson's fit again now. Sadio Mane's fit again now. And there's almost an embarrassment of riches now all of a sudden. Mm. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're on the outside looking at it, like I read a report today about, about our game and about also the prospect of us, of us catching Man City. And I was, I was quite surprised by the language in it, really, in, in that it was talking Devon Locke and all this kind of stuff as though it was like, you know, as though Liverpool have got no chance whatsoever. Mm. 
And I was like, well, what I'm seeing is a Liverpool side more than capable of going on a long run of wins. And, and, and you know, footy's footy. Things can happen. You know, injuries can happen. COVID still is kicking about, you know, and, and freak little results have happened to City before. And if we're just there on the coattails waiting for that freak result, waiting for that little slip up, who knows? I, I don't think it's Devon Lock at all. I don't, I, well, I don't think that, Phil. I think while Liverpool are playing, the way in which they're playing last night and the embarrassment of riches uh, that Gareth refers to, for me, this, this, it's very difficult to see what stops this side. I think they'll have a really difficult time in Milan because Milan looked like they're a really, really good football team. But one of the things I took from last night was saying before about just how, how hard you've got to work to hang in with this Liverpool team. You know, we'll talk about Burnley. Burnley work ever so hard. They're, they're a team of grafters. But you think Liverpool will have too much. Then the forthcoming league games, the Norwich, it's Leeds United, West Ham at home. You know, you go all the way through to, to you know, Brighton away and then it's Manchester United at home in this run until the next international break in terms of league games. And one of the things I just took from last night I was, as I was watching them was, my God, it'll be a good side that manages to stop these in any of these forthcoming games. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. They, there was about five ten minute periods in the first sort of twenty twenty five where I thought it was going to be quite difficult because they they seemed they were very aggressive on the front foot pressing. Uh, they were quite well organised. There was there wasn't much space at first, and then eventually we managed to get round them. And most of the teams are probably not going to have the players that Leicester had last night because we can you know they're in a bit of a mess, but they've still got very talented players and yeah. Norwich's players aren't as good as them, Leeds' players aren't as good as them, Burnley's players aren't as good as them. And they're the next three league games. And you know, two of them are at home, one of them's obviously away on Sunday. And you, you do look at the options we've got as well, that we can make a couple of changes, do a little bit different tactically. Like Elliot and Curtis Jones are obviously very different as midfielders. Like, for example, he played on the opposite side, basically, didn't he? So you, you, you're making a real change in, in what we're doing. And then a team like Norwich have got to adjust at that kind of thing during the game. It's just like there's there's two teams in this league who are head and shoulders above anybody else, and yeah. then there's then there's probably four who are head and shoulders above the rest, mm-hmm. and that's the that's um. Then you've got to look at the drop off again, and it is really hard. The, the there is a situation where we could get on a serious roll here, a genuine roll, and rattle off sort of 10, 11 wins in a row. And the thing is that we on what we on our three. Are we on now? Third one, yeah. Third one, yeah. So that's three already. Logically, the next the next four games, I think we should win. And then the fifth one's Brighton away. Now, Brighton and a team are a bit of a problem for us. But if you can get to the other side of that Brighton away game and you've won, the, won all those games, you're in a serious, serious position where, okay, you might have. We, we obviously, it's a weird situation, isn't it, with the game in hand because we basically get the game in hand back. And then we lose and it we again. We lose it again straight away because of the League Cup final. So it's just up to all we've got to do is keep keep going. Why does Steve look like he's in prison? It's a great question. Up. It's an absolutely brilliant question. <laughs> absolutely brilliant question. Uh, honestly. Uh, well, what, in prison for what? <laughs> you tell us, Steve. Uh, more questions than answers, I'm saying on this one. <laughs> as has as just come up. Uh, Steve, you mentioned, you mentioned the. Listen, I don't even think I said that, this last night on the. On the post-match show, I don't think he's even uh, one of the three. One, not one of my three top three for MOM is not Thiago Alcantara. That would be the two centre halves and the lad who scores the goal. 
But my God, I, I, I'm like, I'm desperate for him to start him against Burnley. It's not even a tactical mm-hmm. thing. I just want to watch him play football again. It was just unbelievable. The way he kicks the ball, everything he does, stay is it's just glorious. It really is. I yeah. can't. Every little move he makes is magic. Everything he does just turns me on. <laughs> More jail references there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, mate. He, he's a joy to watch. Um, you know, you can just see the difference in results. Look at the stats when he plays for us and when he doesn't play. You know, it's just it's just wins racked up everywhere. Every time he plays, especially with Fabinho, um, it just gives us something that someone else, no one else can give us in that in that squad for me. Just that little bit of. I mean, he loves a little half turn. He sent Madison last last night for it on a turn. And Madison's still going. I think now it's absolutely glorious. Um, he moves the ball so quick. He sees a, a, he passes that other people don't see, um, and he must be an absolute nightmare to play against. I think um, I'd, I'd be wary about. I'd love to see him play against Burnley. Really would. But I'd be really wary about him. You know, getting injured, picking up another knock. I mean, we know we, he likes he likes one of them, and they're not usually like two or three weeks. They're usually six or seven weeks, which isn't great. And we miss him massively when he's not there. Um, so hopefully, we can keep him fit and and, and keep him in that midfield and, and build around him. Um. I mentioned the centre-halves there. Uh, we always end up talking about the brilliance of Virgil, Gareth, not least because he is. But just as a unit, the pair of them, I think, are just they're just so special. Um, the And they look to me like they're getting back to their sort of 2018-19 levels. I think there's been a couple of times this season where maybe they've not been quite at it. At the minute, the, every single time you see them play, they just look they just look like a, a, a genuinely great, legendary centre-half pair. Yeah, absolutely. He's just so calm-headed, Andy, the pair of them. And, you know, you can see them barking out orders at times. Um, but, you know, both both comfortable on the ball. Um, absolutely superb as well, the the, the assist from Matip last night. I yeah, mean, you know, that, that situation, that moment, that time in the match when we were getting a bit jittery, and I think they were on the pitch as well. Like you said, Leicester didn't really have any chances. Obviously, the Madison one first half. But there was a little breakaway where, um, was it Dacher as one that goes just over the bar? Now, that that was doing for my nerves, that little moment. Yeah. And we just needed that other one. And then Matip, in that moment, is, is you know, he controls the ball, edge of their box, plays it through the lad's legs, jotters in, goal. And that's our centre-half. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and going the other way, you know, two opportunities all game really for Leicester says says what it was in that they, they totally they totally bossed it back there but then the putting us on the front foot as well because they're both able footballers you know we've watched various types of defenders for Liverpool over the years and you know when I used to love for example Stefan Hencho but he couldn't fucking play on this side no. he wouldn't be near it because you know he wasn't a footballer he was a stopper just think how red his cheeks would look <laughs> Always looked like he'd been goosing as soon as he got on the pitch, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he, he wouldn't get near the, these two. I, and I know some people like rail against the term, and I don't really know why. I don't know why it winds anyone up, but they, they are Rolls Royce players. Yeah, mm. you know, and I know it's an absolute cliche, but they are. And, and you're right to say as well. You know, some of the some of the defenders in the past that we've lauded it, lauded. Sorry, um, you know, these are up there. I've got to be honest with yeah. you. They're like you know, Hanson and things like that. These are in that category. Absolutely. And and that's how good they are. And and this is the thing about this Liverpool side and this Liverpool squad and why why we should all be incredibly excited. The quality all the way through, the spine of the side is absolutely unbelievable. And then we've got everyone fit for what seems like the first time ever. 
And like we, like we just said before, you know, if you get into 60 and Assad's been doing the low block for 60 and having, what, 30% possession or whatever thereabouts, that is absolute graft. Mm. And then when you're bringing, you know, three or four on at times with fresh legs who were all so brilliant, who were ready to come on, who were switched on, who haven't run for 60-odd minutes, you know, you are going to win more often than not. Diaz gets to get his, his league debut, Phil, and to me, I just thought he... It's odd how 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 easily he fits. You know, that's almost the the, the 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 scary thing, really, is that he looks like he's clicked in. Now, I think there's a little thing here where sometimes I think this this team, it's a little easier, I think, in a strange way to to fit in in the front three than it is to fit in elsewhere. You know, I think if you're a left back, you'd ask who comes some quite specialist stuff. We saw Fabinho take a little bit of time to to get himself into what we want from our deepest midfielder when he first arrived. I think in general, in football senses, it is easier to just sort of click in in an attacking position and give things a go and see where you end up. But the flip side is he's, he's way beyond just giving things a go. He, he, if anything, he was playing balls that his teammates should have been anticipating better uh, mm. in that first half. You know, stuff that we do do towards the penalty spot, rolling it back and all that sort of thing. I thought he was just terrific. Yeah, in some ways there's a bit less pressure if you're coming in the front three because you sort of, if you make a mistake, you're 60, 70 yards from your own goal for the for the most part. So there's someone behind you to sweep it up. Whereas if you're one of the full-backs or you're centre-back or you're Fabinho, as an example, it's a real it's a real problem if you do something wrong. But he, he just looks great, doesn't he? There was a, I thought there was a really interesting line from Klopp last night where it sounded like he's been studying Liverpool and the movement and the patterns and things like that, which I think is really interesting, a really good sign that he's he knows what he's got to do. And it's not just a, a case of turning up and being good at footy, he's got to fit in, he's got to play a certain way, he's got to do certain things, he's got to make certain runs, play certain passes, go somewhere when he's not, even making a run where you're not supposed to touch the ball, you're just mm. taking a defender away and creating space for Jota or for Robertson or, you know, taking a defender away from Thiago, for example, while he's trying to pass the ball. It, look, it looks really promising and I, I not wrote him off as such, but sort of thought that there'd be a, a real period of acclimatisation where he wouldn't get much football in the next sort of month or two and he'd come in and he'd get 10 minutes here and there but I mean he deserved every single minute of that start last night and by the sounds of what they're saying in training he he was great and he he's in a position where he's going to be a real option the rest of the season which is a huge boost for me personally because I didn't think he was going to offer this straight away what he's offering today is, you know, it is the idea now that Liverpool are picking three from five and then that'll be a rotational point, but it also uh, will become a wider uh, thing where it's three from five, but that means you've got two to bring on if you want on 60. You know, you've mm -hmm. got loads and loads of moves in there from a Liverpool point of view and if they can all stay fresh and available, then it is it is exciting and that's, you know, something else to take from last night is this is, you know, Firmino was having a bit of an off day, I think. It wasn't just quite wasn't just happening for him in, in, in a couple of patches, but it's absolutely fine because we can just take him off mm. and, and then we'll improve. Yeah, it's it's um, it's, a, it's a superb arsenal up, up top now. Um, you know, we were talking last night at the match saying it, it gives the manager some good headaches. You know, he's, he's got some really big names up there now and I think getting Diaz in probably wasn't part of the plan in the January window, but obviously that the hand was forced by Spurs. Uh, but now he's here and now he looks as good as he does. I mean, he was superb last night for me again. As, as you say, the biggest comedy you can pay him is he looked like he's played for this side for, for years, years and years. So um, I thought he might struggle a little bit with the physical side of things, but he was throwing tackles in, pushing people off the ball. He, he, he really, really impressed me. So, yeah, so I'm sure the manager wants, wants these types of headaches as much as possible, but um, it's all about trying to keep them all happy now. And as long as you all buy into the idea of, 
you know, we're all going to get game time. We're all going to play. I mean, just, the games come thick and fast now. Every week, you know, just two two weeks now for for, for the next, you know, God no, two three two three months. And so there's going to be opportunities for everyone to to get some uh, minutes in the legs. And it's all about trying to keep it and uh, impress the manager. Um, it looks like a knock. He does look like a narco, and I yeah. love that about him straight away. Um, one of my concerns about him, you know, you're buying a lad called Noodle, and you're thinking, well, <laughs> is he physically going to be able to cope with the Premier League? Um, don't know how thick the noodles are in <laughs> Colombia, but um, he's got he's got no worries there. I mean, he, he, he wasn't bothered by it. He, he did he, he did was on the end of something at one point. He just got up, hmm. and wasn't bothered. There was no like big you know histrionics rolling around or anything like that, and and he put a great tackle in on the edge yeah. of the box. And I, and I loved that moment. Yeah. I was like, get in, lads. Here we go. And, and like like the lads have said already, and I think everyone's saying, I think Klopp got asked about it as well. You know, Klopp said, he, he, yes, he does look like a Liverpool player. And yes, he's impressed in training. So it, it feels like, you know, this acclimatisation period that we normally seem to have for signings, he's just not going to bother with that. Yeah, He's just going to step right in. And actually, there's actually an argument to say, well, he should be starting at the weekend and, and not Sadio. And I don't know how that'll go down with Sadio, by the way, because <laughs> he doesn't look like a fella who takes that kind of thing well. No. But he has been kicking around in his home country, rightly enjoying what, what he's achieved at the African Cup of Nations. So maybe that's the sell. Maybe just this once we can stick him on the bench and see what angry Sadio coming off the bench is like. Uh, champion Sadio as well, though. Uh, yeah. Absolutely looking forward to it. Hopefully you're enjoying this on Tour Live. There was all of our post-match stuff. There's been review as well. Download the app to get all of that. Uh, Gareth hosted post-match pint in the church last night. It's ever a pleasure to be there. Thank you very much to them. We were in the Glenbrook doing the audio. Thank you very much to them as well. Uh, everything that you need, if you download the app, uh, pulling it together post-Leicester, and as I say, review is out in a little while as well. Um, you can get that there. If you listen to this as a podcast, uh, coming up now, we've got Daniel Harris on his documentary, Tosh. Okay, Joe. Joined by Daniel Harris from Eat Sleep Media then. And um, Dan, uh, John Toshak. John Toshak, obviously famously of Cardiff, uh, famously a record signing of Bill Shankly's. And there's so, look, there's so many names at Liverpool in terms of legends of the past, legends of the present, that I feel sometimes some of them can get lost. And maybe John is, is one of those. I mean, you know, he was signed for £110,000 which at the time was a club record. Um, and even that, though, there's a, there's a little edge to that story in that. It always goes that he was supposed to be signing Frank Worthington, but didn't sign Frank, allegedly, because of a sexually transmitted disease. Uh, and, and this is how John gets his chance. But, you know, he, he ends up uh, 247 appearances for the Reds, 96 goals. Um, and then he, he, he goes back to South Wales to play for Swansea. And then what? What you're what you're documenting? You've made it. You've made a, a documentary stroke film about the great man uh, charting this rise as a manager from the fourth division to the first. So I've said a little bit about what he means our end. What does he mean your end in Cardiff? What 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 type of figure is he in in Wales? Well, he's he's a legend, isn't he? I mean, he, he, he's such a big personality and a big character. There's great interviews with him, uh, as well as kind of the great things he did on the pitch. He's really interesting character for making a documentary about, and and that kind of move from Liverpool, champions of Europe, and all the trophies there to go down to fourth division Swansea. Um, it was a massive, massive kind of leap of faith on his part to start this managerial career. And the one thing that we recognised and um, became apparent like through creating this film was 
how Liverpool continued to be a big part of his life throughout that kind of time at Swansea. Not only was he regularly in in contact with Shankly, uh, doing talking through football, talking through uh, tactics, uh, doing his kind of confidant there and and his guide in terms of kind of creating his his managerial style and his path. Um, But there was also things like he would would incentivise the players uh, with like trips to to go to uh, watch Liverpool train and go and meet some people there after the uh, the famous win at Preston where they got promoted to the first division for the first time they stopped at the hotel in Liverpool on the way back where Toshak had set up some Liverpool players who were going to be there so that his Swansea team could meet some of them um, and kind of have a few drinks with them before continuing back to Swansea like it, it, Liverpool was such a central part of his life and the one the one question I had throughout me in this documentary was did John Toshak always regret or was his big regret of his career not managing Liverpool mm. it seemed that it was all set up for him ex-player uh, going and doing his own thing still in contact with a club uh, was he going to go back there and be manager or was he going to kind of um, emulate Shankly and, and, and those that he kind of played for and go and win trophies as a manager for them and I think at the end of that 81-82 that season apparently behind closed doors he'd been offered the job um, and and then Liverpool Swansea were top I think with 10 games to go and then they lost five out of their six last games Liverpool went on this amazing run and won the league again and then your manager stayed on so that opportunity for Toshak to be the manager kind of went away and, and, and didn't quite come back again so it's really interesting how Liverpool's remained a central part of his his kind of his life, his his managerial career, his philosophy, and all sort of thing throughout that period. Um, it, it's brilliant, and hearing some of the stories when we went and interviewed him, talking about when he played for Liverpool, and then of course when he went back as a manager, uh, like it, it's it's strange, like almost fate that uh, the day Shankly died a couple of days later, that Swansea right. were playing Liverpool. It, it it's and he, he took his jack, uh, jacket off to reveal a Liverpool shirt on the pitch. Yeah. There's so many times where kind of Liverpool remained a kind of key part of his career, his thinking, his philosophy, or there was a moment like that. It was it, it was just brilliant and, and very clear that Liverpool was going to be as big a part of this documentary as Swansea, despite it only being those kind of 70 to 82, those kind of glory years at Swansea. And I'm, I'm interested too in, in the documentary itself, Dan, in, in terms of, you know, the idea and, and getting it done during these times. I mean, you know, we're, we're happy to help you out here because you've helped us out in the past on a project. So, uh, you know, when you got in touch and said, we, we, we've done this, can we talk about it on the Amphibia app? It's like, absolutely, because we were going around the country at one point and grabbing stuff from all over, you know, fans all over the country and all over England and Wales. And we came down and you helped us out. So we're, we're happy to, to do it back the other way. But, you know, we've had our difficulties as a, as a company trying to operate during these mad times. Well, what, what's it been like for you? And, and you've managed to make a film during these times. It's, it's been absolutely bizarre, isn't it? The world has just been uh, completely turned upside down. But for us as a company, for Eat Sleep Media, we've actually grown during this period. We've kind of found new projects, new opportunities, uh, and managed to kind of pivot and, and kind of adapt. Uh, and, and this was one of them things where we've been developing the idea with the, with the director for a little while and hoping to kind of gear up for production. And then the pandemic comes, so we kind of halted. Uh, and then we just thought to ourselves, 
there's going to be, it's going to die down at some point. As soon as we get that opportunity, let's just go, go and start collecting interviews and, and getting them. A lot of the interviews that were kind of crowded outside or in, in kind of bigger spaces where um, there's two meters and, and everything can be adhered to. So we just kind of kept abreast of, of the changes and things that are going on and just found those opportunities. And, and we're able to move quickly because we're a small company. Uh, we're quite agile. So it's kind of like, right. Uh, things are good. Uh, let's go down tomorrow and, and capture an interview with this person and this person. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been strange, but we we've made made the most of it. And because um, because the way the kind of world has been, uh, it's allowed us to focus a little bit more on certain projects uh, because you can't you can't go out there chasing a hundred one different projects. You can't yeah. do this and you can't do that. We're over the right. Okay. This is something that we want to do. And let's just put a bit of time and resource into it and focus on it now because there's not the hundred one other things kind of going on. So yeah, it, it, we, we've kind of made the situation work as best we can. And we've captured uh, a load of interviews uh, across South Wales and up in Liverpool, um, up in one of, your, one of your, uh, your famous pubs near Anfield with Ian Callahan and Peter Hooten Brilliant. from the farm. Um, so yeah, we managed to get out and get those interviews and, and then taking advantage of different things like John Bishop, another one of your boys, down here shooting Doctor Who. So see if he could pop over and have a chat and, and, and wax lyrical about Tosh when he, he was at Liverpool. So um, yeah, we've just, we've just adapted as best we can, basically. And you got out to Barcelona, didn't you, to speak to Tosh? Yes. Oh, God, that gave me a couple of grey hairs that day, travelling <laughs> across there, travelling on Ryanair across to Barcelona with the restrictions and things in place. Yeah, we were only over there for, for like two nights. Uh, it was a quick kind of in and out, sat down in a nice restaurant, got a, got a good kind of 90-minute interview with, with Tosh, got everything we needed. But yeah, trying to, trying to travel across there and, and deal with the restrictions and everything um, uh, is definitely something we were all glad uh, when we got back, it was done and dusted. Yeah. And and the the release of this film, then it's it's in time to mark the fortieth anniversary of Swansea's first season in the top flight. Well, that's it. It's, it's all across this season. There's all different fortieth anniversaries, first game, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So the end of the season would be the the, the kind of anniversary of, of the final game in that first division, uh, that first season there. So we're we're looking at uh, again it delivered then for the end of this season for summer uh, DVDs to come out at some point as well. So that's that's what we're working towards so hopefully yeah they'll be they'll be in cinemas or on telly or on dvd as, as many different outlets as possible come the summertime brilliant so uh well we'll, we'll finish up by showing a clip uh where uh, tosh is talking about the influence of shankly and what it was like playing under shankly um in terms of staying in touch with yourselves then and keeping an eye out where how can people find out when when they can watch it and where they can watch it? Yeah, they can they can follow us on on social media, Eat Sleep Media, and on our website uh, www.eatsleep.media. Um, this is one of a number of kind of football related projects that we've got. Um, there's lots of stuff going on. We do a lot of stuff across Welsh football and against across other sports. So um, hopefully now over the next couple of years there'll be more sports stocks. We're looking to get a bit of a pipeline going of different stories like this. Um, um, so hopefully there'll there be plenty plenty more there. So come and have a look and, and see what sort of stuff we do. Brilliant stuff. Excellent, Dan. Uh, let's uh, finish up then with a clip from Tosh uh, from the documentary, from the film, from the boys, from Eat Sleep Media. Here is John talking to the boys. A lot of us have gone into management, ex-Liverpool players, and I say this with all due respect, they've all had shanks to fall back on, if you like. But although I say it my th myself, I think I just felt that he had a, a little bit of a special 
<laughs> a special feel for me, you know. He paid that £110,000 as it was for Cardiff, which was a record at that particular time. You just didn't feel like letting Shankly down. You know, if you, if you were training, if you were on the football pitch training, uh, he'd had a, he had a habit, if he was about 40, 50 yards away from you, and he wasn't happy with you about something in Saturday's game, or he was, he had a habit, if he was at Bob next to him or something, he'd go like that, he'd do that. He wasn't saying anything to Bob, he'd punt at you like that, as if he was, and you'd, you'd look the other way, you know, you didn't want to, you, you certainly didn't want to, uh, didn't want to get on his, uh, on his bad side. If you're not listening to this as the podcast, if you're enjoying it as the live, well, the way it works is that we are back, back to talk about the big man. Uh, it is fair to say. Uh, I've got no idea what that was, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> come on, mate. Uh, we all like a laugh. Is he just come up now? We're all like a laugh. Uh, <laughs> it's the, Steve's decor, but you know, there's a time and a place for that sort of thing. Is that Mark Roberts? Uh, was, <laughs> my word. Uh, anyway, anyway, we'll get clarity. We'll get clarity on that as it wears on. Uh, let's talk about the big man, Phil. Uh, you and I have both seen him play this week. Um, he will be a handful for Liverpool to deal with. He is a different proposition to Ashley Barnes or Chris Wood. For me, he looks a better footballer just in the snatches that you've seen than either. His goal-scoring record's the business as well. Uh, this isn't to say for a second that our wonderful central defenders, whichever combination of them he picks, can't deal with them. Don't get me wrong. But he will be a threat, and he's clearly Burnley's way out of their relegation battle. When you said the big man, I thought you were talking about the uh, the busy that came up on the screen. <laughs> um yeah, I think it's I think it's not necessarily on the defenders to handle them. I think it's more on the um, the rest of the team to stop the ball getting into the position where the defenders have to handle it because we can we can press them. We can they're obviously gonna look to get the ball into the fullbacks and the, and look to service them, aren't they? They're gonna basically use them as an out ball. Everything is going to go through, and they're going to try and get men around them. So, if what we can do is stop them working the ball out towards the fullbacks, I presume we're going to be Loughton and Taylor. I guess the, the aim is going to be get the ball to them, knock it up to him. He's going to hold it up. He's going to win it. He's trying to play in Maxwell Corner or Dwight McNeil or whatever. We've got to stop him getting the ball. And once he does get it, you create as little work as possible for the centre backs to um, to not allow him to do anything with it. Like I think, I think I'll possibly go with Canate. Actually, just a bit more of a... He feels a bit more of a physical presence than Matter, and I don't know whether that's like a psychological bias because his shoulders look a bit bigger or something like that, but it, it just feels like what you're doing. Also, I think we're in this sort of position where we're taking um, the next few fixtures into consideration, and I think he'll want to go well, with Matter and Van Dijk as the... Into my line, you pick Matter and Van Dijk, so maybe yeah. that makes his mind up, Phil. Yeah, and then you'd probably move on to Norwich and you probably don't play Van Dijk, for example. There's loads of things you can do. And it's, it, it's just a... Uh, um, great to have all these options because it's something that we we didn't really have it. The season won the Champions League and the league, we didn't have it. We had it a little bit, but not to this extent. And we're able to look at this and go, wow, what? You know, it's been very easy to pick Liverpool teams the last couple of years, but oh, this is what I think the team will be today. I think we're, we're in a period where you could pick a team, everyone go, yeah, I agree with you. And then it turns out you've got six names, right? Mm. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a great position to be in. There, stay. They're to, not to be taken lightly, and I don't think Liverpool will either. The manager sort of talked quite warmly, actually, about them uh, in a way in his in his pre-match press conference. He wasn't 
you know, in any way dismissive of them. Um, he said he had the pleasure to watch Burnley against United. Uh, the quality they produced was incredible. It was a proper team performance, big possibility for them to stay in the league. Talked about how well we did about them earlier in the season. Uh, he talked about Veghorst, says that you've seen he is a lively boy. Uh, mm-hmm. He was very active all over the pitch. Burnley ask for all physicality you can put in the game. Uh, they are good when they have the ball. They have footballers everywhere. The point is, and I suspect the manager would agree with me, I, I think they're probably the best team ever to sit 20th in February. Uh, they're certainly the team that would be toughest to play against ever to sit 20th in February. And, and it'll be tough, I think, uh, on Sunday. It'll be a battle. They've drawn a fair few recently. We're going to you know, we're, we're, we're gonna be in one, is what I'm saying. They've only mm-hmm. lost eight games all season, even though they do sit 20 if there's games in hand, but there's just tons of draws for them. They're mm-hmm. a very difficult team to beat. Yeah, they always seem to cause the same problems for the same teams, really. I, I, I was used to be more nervous about the physical battles when it comes to Liverpool, um, but I'm, I'm a bit more, you know, with the likes of Canati, who was able to be, to be drafted in, a centre-half, I think Phil get that's get guess that's shot right. I think he plays. Henderson won those outcoming. He'll have more, a bit more steel into that into that midfield as well. Um, you know, it's more about you know, you know what's going to come with Burnley. It's going to be long diagonals into the box. It's all about Liverpool winning the second balls um, and just stepping up to the plate and coping with the physicality of it. Really, take your chances. They don't give too many away. I mean, I know you watched the United brief that on my iPad when when they played Burnley and United first half were very good and, and they had a lot of shots, a lot of chances in and around the box. Um, so if we can, we can cause them the same kind of problems, um, just make sure we take our chances. That's that's the biggest thing with them, um, and just make uh, once we we once we do, if we manage to go a goal ahead, then just just try and control the ball and cut off the channels and the supply into the big fan on the box really. But we know what we're going to get. It's going to be physical. It's going to be tough. So uh, it's about setting up properly to uh, to deal with that. The other thing about them, Gareth, is you know for us they, they do create chances against United. Sorry, they do concede a lot of chances first half against United, but second half they tighten it up a little bit. It's a good centre-half partnership and it's a good goalkeeper and they've got a lot of experience of playing with one another. And this again, you know, it's a centre-half partnership and a goalkeeper, I'd say, of a side who are top 12, say, to be honest with you. You know, Tarkovsky will go to a bigger club this summer, you'd have thought. Ben Mee's club captain being around the block, I think he's a good player. And obviously the goalkeeper is knocking around the England setup. as the question marks on him and about the way he uses the ball, not to do with his goalkeeping. And that is that is one of the things that Liverpool are going to have to be prepared for is that, you know, Burnley can... They can frustrate and they will defend well. Uh, that doesn't mean they can't be broken down. City have beaten them emphatically. We've beaten them emphatically in the past. But they will be solid and they will but they will take a bit of beating in the first place. Yeah, I mean they haven't won since October, so you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be talking them up that massively in the bottom of the league. Um uh, Mo Salah scored more goals than them um yep. as well across the course of this season. So I, I think I think they will f- all the things that have been said are absolutely right, that you get a fight, you get a battle. They're used to not having the ball as well. I mean, even when they come to Anfield last year and, and end our 68-game unbeaten run, bastards, uh, they have 28% of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you look at the stats across this season, not not a lot's changed. You know, 30-odd percent here and there. I think maybe one game, the, the, the last game they won, Brentford, they, they have they have 50-odd percent. But they're used to not having the ball. They're used to sitting in. They're used to frustrating. But it's not working for them. They're going to go down if they keep getting results like this. So at some point, they've got to sign and do something about it. The lad they've got in is what they're trying to do about it, as you said. But nevertheless, you know, all season long, particularly since the turn of the year, they've not looked like scoring goals. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that's a plus point for us, obviously. And I, I, I think once we get through them, we only need to get through them once. Get one nil up. And then, uh, and then they're struggling. What, what are they going to do? I then? think it suits us this being at their grounds for that. 
I yeah. think the idea that if they could do go one nil, if they could go one nil down, <laughs> I think there will be a desire from their supporters to see them change it and improve it. And I think that'll mean that they can't do the thing where they just hang on until eighty and just see if they can nick something. You know, I I think there will be a bit of onus on them to to, to force it. That not that their supporters won't respect how good Liverpool are, but I think they the, you you can't you can't do that. Which I think Leicester were trying to do. Let's just get to injury time at only one nil and see if we can just if we can just make them nervous and get a bit of something. You can't do that at home, I don't think. No, and, and I don't think you can do it against us as well. But previously mentioned yeah. the amount of quality that is a in the starting lineup and b on the bench. So you know you've got to have a bit more about you than that. I, I think this is one of these fixtures as well where traditionally we worry about it and, and perhaps we start to worry about it too much really because we, we've won about we've won six of our last seven away at, at Burnley. So whatever you know sign the ad over us or they're a bogey team or all of that stuff that people say well, well they're not there's only there's only a defeat in 2016 and aside from that we've been doing pretty well going there and they haven't changed a lot no you know, you know so like i think you're right to point out at times when i i might bang on about previous games you'll say well it's almost a different team now or it's a different manager or it's a different approach it's not with them it's exactly the same approach on that phil i think there's a thing that this manager does uh and i think you've seen i think lesser actually a great example of it uh this man Manager, this coaching setup, the people who are around him. Once he beats a side and works out how to beat a side, he's very good at keeping doing it. And I think that that's one of the things I've seen with, with with us versus Burnley. It's interesting the way in which he even phrased it today about you know we probably put our best performance in ever, if you know what I mean, against this this Burnley side. And as Gareth says, they don't change a great deal. Uh, the personnel will be a little bit different than we used to, but I think that, I think that is quite an important sort of detail in, in in this. You know, once Liverpool, once the manager works out what the cheat code is for a team, he just keeps doing it over and over and over again until it stops working. You see it in you see this in games as well, and sort of it's quite often we take a bit of time to work a team out within a game and then you get to 30 minutes and the sort of the 15 minutes before half time and the 15 minutes after half time have been historically quite big for us. I think the the home game earlier in the season was on the verge of becoming a bit of a problem, if you remember it. And then we, we scored just as a, I was starting to worry they were frustrating us. So I think you, you don't want to get on in a position where you're at 60 minutes to still nil-nil against these. I think you need to get that goal early. You need... And also, there's they're in a bit of a position where, all right, there's goal difference they're a bit worried about, but they could do with three points, and they almost might have to gamble the point to try and win three, and go. Well, we might just lose to Liverpool anyway, whatever we do, so we might yeah. have, to have a bit more of a go than they possibly would in September or October, for example, when they can go out point great. Um, I, ju- I just think it's it's quite interesting in how they do, but we should really be able to control them. We're just much better than them, aren't we? And you'd like to see. Liverpool just dominate this from the off and make it comfortable and be able to make three substitutes second half of players who will be who will want to keep fresh for the Wednesday because everything everything we do on Sunday has got to have sort of Wednesday in the mind to some extent. Mm. Pick me a team then, Gareth. Uh, who, who, I mean, yeah, pick me, of the. Let me, I'll, I'll start. Uh, Allison, Trent, Virgil Van Dijk, Robertson. Pick me the centre half. I think you're like Canate. I think I think you want Mata playing in the San Siro, um, mm. and we know that at times, although albeit touchwoods, you know he's he's been much better his injury record this season, and, and he's played strings of games where you thought, oh, well, I'd rather we not test that theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Canate will be absolutely fine being the away. In fact, we'll probably love it. Um, so we throw him in there. Um, Henderson's back, isn't he? So I, th- I think you know the skipper comes back in. Uh, I think it's worth saying as well that sort of it feels to me that you you know we're at the start of an intense run, so you know we don't have to start worrying too much yet. yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, Henderson I think comes back in. 
Um, Fabinho for me just starts every single game whenever he, you know, until until he's done. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Until he needs a rest because I think he's so vital to what we're about. And he, again, he'll love Burnley. Um, the other one is the one where I think maybe don't know, like what, what where's Thiago at? We've got to manage him. Steve mentioned it before. You, you really got to manage this fella. I think he's going to be so vital at times for winning games. If we think we can win it without him, then sound. And it, and it might be a bit attritional for him. I don't think he minds that, by the way. I just don't think he's very good at it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not convinced. Like he's he's a he's a decent tackler and a decent battler. I think he's got it in him to try to be, but it's not his it's not his forte. So um, me other midfielder, I don't know. I think that's up for grabs a little bit. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to the idea that Sadio doesn't start because I think, I think, Mo, you know, Mo not starting the setter. Well, we did it with Mo. We, we're gonna yeah. do it with you. Do you know what I mean? Don't get a cob on. So you, you leave Diaz in. You start Mo, um, and you start Jota. Agree with that, Phil? Uh, not quite. I think back. I agree with the back four. I think it might be Henderson, Fabinho, and Kaiser as a midfield in the midfield. Keep Thiago fresh. You bring Elliot on on sixty for Kate or something like that, and then I think Jota, Firmino, Salah front three, and then you bring Mane on for whichever one you fancy on sixty as well. Similar with Diaz, you can change yeah, it. Up. I mean, Firmino seems to like playing Burnley. Doesn't yeah. it? It's one of them, you know, weird things where a, a player does all right against the club. Because I think there's starting to be a conversation again about Firmino, where everyone's looking at each other going. What's happening with this? Is he the one that goes? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because there's the, the three all waiting on a contract. I don't. I don't think all three are signing one. I just on that quick. I think it's. I think he's he's become more useful to us on the road because I think almost the way sides are now playing us at Anfield at times means he's almost not quite redundant, but you sort of know what I mean. You don't really need to link these bits up because sides are just letting you do that bit. If you sort of know, mm. like you're getting it in there anyway, you're getting it around yeah, the box right, really straightforwardly. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons why. So he's, he's sort of, I think I, I'm watching the times feeling like it's, it's almost like he's, he's there to solve a problem that no longer quite exists at times. Mm. And I think that's a little bit difficult for him, but I feel I think it's different obviously away. Uh, what are you going for? Steve? you agree with that broadly? Yeah, pretty much. I, I agree with the back four with Canate coming and I think he'll give us a bit more steel back there, especially in the aerial duels. And I think Keita, Gives us a decent high press on the edge of their box, which he, which he's really good at when balls are dropping in around there. So I think uh, Naby comes in for for Curtis. It's tough on the front three. It's, it's, we've got a wealth of riches up there now. I'm not too sure which way to go. Personally, I, I like the I like the three that finished the game last night. Um, Diaz, Jota, and Salah. That gives us all kinds of width and pace in the right areas for me. And uh, obviously Jota's absolutely on fire. So I think he's he's undroppable, undroppable at the moment for me. So. Uh, that's the front three I'd go for. Uh, I don't think he'd go though. I think he'll play Bobby. Uh, all right then. Uh, we all think we're going to win? Yeah. Yeah. yeah of 2 to Liverpool. Excellent stuff across the board for Mino uh, in there as well. Uh, brilliant stuff. Thank you very much for Tour Live this week. Uh, thank you uh, to Daniel. Uh, and then on top of that as well, we've got Gareth, uh, we've got Phil, and we've got Steve Andy Heaton for producing as well. Uh, enjoy everything you can with the Anfield wrap. Download it. Everything to come this season for the Reds. They remain in all four, and they will remain in all four for a very, very, very long time if last night is anything to go by.